Tonight, we meet as Democrats, Republicans, and Independents, but most importantly, as Americans. With the duty to one another, to America, to the American people, to the Constitution, and an unwavering resolve that freedom will always triumph over tyranny. Six Putin is now isolated from the world more than he has ever been. Together, together, tonight, I say to the Russian oligarchs and the corrupt leaders who built billions of dollars off this violent regime, no more. The United States, I mean it. I'm announcing that we will join our allies in closing off American airspace to all Russian flights, further isolating Russia and adding additional squeeze on their economy. He has no idea what's coming. If we are going to save democracy, we are going to need to reach across political lines. We will need the support of the vast majority of Americans should we have to overthrow a dictatorship. 50% of the vote may not even be enough to win elections in the future. We need to reach out to the center, whether we like it or not. Dom Jones is a minister and community activist who works with businesses and community leaders in Huntington Beach, California, and works to address the problem of homelessness and to advocate for youth and community services. As an African-American woman in a conservative community, she organizes across political lines daily. As a minister, she seeks to bring communities together. Join us on April 3rd at 2 p.m. Pacific Time online. To register, go to tinyurl.com slash organize across lines. That's tinyurl.com slash organize across lines. According to public reporting, uh, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser first called Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy to ask for help at 1.34 p.m. It looks now like the Capitol the police... Yeah, now, Pete, let me break away from you a second because things are happening very quickly. According to your written testimony, you were, quote, aware that demonstrators had breached the Capitol. Russia is on a slow march towards Kiev. 
Its missiles are targeting Ukrainian defenses. Its aircraft are taking out Ukrainian positions. Gradually, Russia's air superiority is coming to the fore. So does Ukraine have a plan to counter it? It does. It's called a no-fly zone. President Zelensky is adamant about it. He wants NATO to establish a no-fly zone over Ukraine. First of all, what exactly is a no-fly zone? Think of it as a no-entry sign in the air. Enemy aircraft will not be permitted to enter the no-fly zones. And if they do, there will be retaliation. They can be warned. They can be escorted away. And in the worst-case scenario, they can be shot down. And Zelensky wants NATO to impose this no-fly zone over Ukraine, basically stop Russian jets from flying in. But there is just one problem here. NATO is simply not interested. And why is that? The problem with a no-fly zone is implementing it. Let's assume NATO does close off Ukrainian airspace. What happens if Russian jets violate it? NATO pilots will go nose to nose with Russian jets. The only way to actually implement something like a no-fly zone uh, is to send NATO planes into Ukrainian airspace and to shoot down Russian planes. And that uh, could lead to a full-fledged war um, in, uh, in Europe. President Biden has been clear that we uh, are not going to get into a war with Russia. But we are uh, going to tremendous lengths with allies and partners to provide Ukrainians with uh, the means to, uh, to effectively defend themselves. So NATO wants to contain the war. It has no intention of escalating it. This may, may seem like the rational choice here, but Volodymyr Zelensky is a desperate leader right now. He needs all the military support that he can get, and which is why he lashed out at NATO's decision. Zelensky's words were pointed. He said NATO would be responsible for any Ukrainian casualties in the future. Today was the NATO summit, a weak summit, a confused summit, a summit that shows that not everyone considers the fight for freedom in Europe to be the number one goal. And what did you think about during that meeting? People who die from now on will also die because of you, because of your weakness, because of your disunity. He is not mincing his words. And remember, NATO is Zelensky's biggest ally, his best hope to repel Russian soldiers. So what does this tell you about Ukraine's position? One, the Russian advance may be slow, but it is relentless. And two, Ukraine overestimated NATO's commitment. Diplomatically, the alliance has been isolating Russia. Financially, the sanctions have been imposed. But what about military support? That is where Ukraine was counting on more NATO assistance. Does that mean NATO should impose a no-fly zone? Most experts say no. Russia versus Ukraine is a conventional war. Russia versus NATO has echoes of a nuclear war. More countries will be dragged in, more soldiers, more weapons. The Russian president had this warning for the Western leaders. Listen in. Now we are hearing that a no-fly zone must be established over the territory of Ukraine. It is impossible to do so over the territory of Ukraine itself. 
it is possible only from the territory of some neighboring countries, but any move in this direction will be viewed by us as a participation in the armed conflict of whichever side whose territory will pose a threat to our service members. That very second, we will view them as participants of the military conflict, and it would not matter what members they are. And that is a clear message from Putin. If you impose a no-fly zone, you are joining the war. And right now, NATO does not want to be a part of this war, clearly. So what options does the alliance have? One is to prop up Ukraine's own air defense. How can they do that? By providing more fighter jets, by sending more missile systems. NATO seems to be moving in that direction. Last month, the European Union promised to send fighter jets to Ukraine. Ukrainian pilots were dispatched to fly the jets. But suddenly, the deal stalled. The fighter jets remained grounded. It took another appeal from Volodymyr Zelensky to grease the wheels. This time, his temperament was different. He said, if you cannot impose a no-fly zone, at least send your jets. The world is strong enough to close our skies to Russian missiles, fighter jets and helicopters. But if someone still has doubts, then Ukraine needs planes. It's easy actually when you have the will in order to make Ukraine and European skies safe. And the obvious candidate to provide these planes is Poland. It has a fleet of Soviet-made MiG fighters. Ukrainian pilots have flown them before, so no additional training will be required. But there is one problem. If Poland offers these jets, its air force will become weaker. And with Russia marching through Ukraine, it will worry Poland. So what is the solution? America could fill the gap in Poland's air force, basically replace the MiG fighters that are given to Ukraine. American media is reporting a three-way deal. Poland gives MiG fighters to Ukraine and the U.S. gives F-16 jets to Poland. We are um, we're looking actively now uh, at the question of uh, airplanes that Poland uh, may provide uh, to, uh, to Ukraine and looking at uh, how we might be able to backfill uh, should Poland decide to produce those, uh, to um, uh, uh, supply those planes. This seems to be NATO's game plan. Flood Ukraine with lethal military aid, missiles, jets, air defense systems. In less than a week, the U.S. has shipped 17,000 anti-tank weapons to Ukraine. They have a fixed route, airlift to Poland and Romania, and transport by road into Ukraine. This is a long-term strategy. For starters, it will delay Russia's victory, increase the cost of war, and secondly, it lays the ground for any insurgency. Even if Ukraine loses, the Western weapons will fuel resistance. The question is, could this backfire? Will Russia see this as NATO entering the war? It is certainly possible. We just showed you Vladimir Putin's warning on imposing a no-fly zone. He had something similar to say on sanctions. By the way, these sanctions that are being imposed, they are akin to declaring war. But thank God we haven't gotten there yet. I think our so-called quote-unquote partners still have an understanding of what the ramifications and threats to everybody could be. This is a tight rope for both NATO and Russia. 
if Vladimir Putin retaliates, NATO will activate Article 5 of its charter. All 30 NATO members will declare war on Russia. Mercurial as he is, Putin will not risk that. As for NATO, their military assistance is extremely risky. They cannot meddle beyond a point. And if they do, Russia will escalate the war. We are now available in your country. Download the app now. Get all the news on the move. The North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO, should establish a no-fly zone over Ukraine. The world should not tolerate Putin's behavior and certainly not reward it by failing to stop him. We simply cannot let threats keep us from defending the rights of free nations. We can't just say, oh well, there goes Ukraine. Another democracy bites the dust. We must defend democracy in Europe. We can't let threats cause us to cower in a corner. President Zelensky described NATO's failure to take decisive action as the self-hypnosis of those who are weak, insecure inside, despite the fact they possess weapons many times stronger than we have. Putin has already brought another foreign power into the war. We have world support for everything but a no-fly zone. What is NATO waiting for? Failing to defend free nations has consequences. We don't know what will happen if NATO establishes a no-fly zone over Ukraine, but we do know what will happen if it doesn't. Putin will overrun Ukraine and slaughter hundreds of thousands of people. Will we allow Ukraine to become another Syria? World wars start with inaction. Remember the saying, first they came for the Jews, but I wasn't a Jew, so I didn't speak up? We are talking about the exact same thing here. Failure to respond in a decisive way to acts of impunity only encourages similar behavior. We will have to fight back at some point. Why not now when Putin's forces are struggling and demoralized and he's backed into a corner? Remember, China is watching and supporting Putin. There are factors to consider other than fear. These include NATO's capability, the chance of success, the importance of the objective, and the consequences of inaction. All these considerations weigh in favor of a no-fly zone. NATO is perfectly capable of establishing a no-fly zone over Ukraine. I know of no one arguing otherwise. The chance of success is therefore high. The cause of defending democracy and freedom in an era of rising authoritarianism is vital. We cannot afford to keep losing democracies if we expect to keep the forces of authoritarianism at bay. The consequences of inaction are dire. Millions dead or displaced. A decimated nation and a dangerous dictator emboldened and empowered. Democracy is collapsing worldwide. 
The Economist Global Democracy Index downgraded the United States from a full democracy to a flawed democracy after 2020. The United States is now ranked 25th among the world's democracies. The Economist magazine recently reported that more than half of the world's population lives under authoritarian regimes. These global trends put democracy at risk everywhere. We can't keep losing democracies around the world and expect to successfully confront our world's problems. We are headed toward a world ruled by tyrants. The global collapse of democracy bodes ill for humanity's survival. I'm going to go to Richard calling from California. Richard, welcome to the Schrader Show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. So I think we need a no-fly zone in Ukraine. We have a democracy in Ukraine, and we need to defend democracy. Oh, are you hearing, hear, hearing me okay? I can hear you. Okay. We need to defend democracy, not only here at home, but around the globe. There's a global collapse of democracy. We have been raided. We were a full democracy But after 2020, according to the Economist Democracy Index, we've been rated a flawed democracy. We are 25th in the world now with our democracy. And this assault on democracy is not just in the United States. It's sweeping the entire globe. The report now from The Economist is that more than half of the people in the world no longer live in a democracy. So this attack on democracy, if coming from those dictators who do not want massive protests in the streets and do not want to be overthrown, and this is what they're doing, sending false propaganda through their media networks to the public to get them to support authoritarian dictator rulers and to support policies. And this propaganda... Putin's playing both sides on this, not, it's not just one side. He's playing both sides to convince them to spread his propaganda that we cannot do anything to defend democracy in the world, and that's wrong. We can do something, and we must do something to defend that democracy. When we have a democracy that's fighting back, we, and not one we have to build from scratch. This is not a democracy we have to build from scratch. We can't afford to lose a democracy in this world, and we can't afford to allow Putin to continue his acts of aggression and expansion. Okay. So let me. Okay, it, Richard, very well said. Now let's let's talk about a couple of things. First of all, we're 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 not a democracy. We're a representative republic. Now I know that seems like splitting hairs, but it's it's a fact. Now. A couple of things I want to I want to discuss with what what you said initially. First of all, realize that Facebook and Twitter, the same social media companies that banned Donald Trump, had yet to ban Putin and the Russian news services when they spread their propaganda. They only stopped using Facebook and Twitter because Russia did it, you know, and calling it fake news as they passed laws in Russia to basically outlaw any independent journalism, okay? So 
just look at that even here domestically that, you know, again, you can you can say Donald Trump tweeted mean things or whatever. It doesn't matter. But they pulled him off the platform and let Russia spread all of their propaganda. So just two thoughts I had on, on what you initially said. Yes, do I do I believe we should do everything we can to encourage democracy all over the world? I did see that story on on the democracy index. You're correct, it is 25. But here's the, here's the thing, Richard. If we do a no-fly zone and we participate in it, now you've got Russian jets versus United States jets. And then you're in an active conflict. Both of us have nuclear weapons. This is not something we should get dragged into. Well, I, 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 I want to say first that I think you are splitting hairs because this is a grand American experiment. 250 years, we tried to build a country where we, the people, ruled. And yes, it's a democratic, I would refer to it as a democratic republic. It's a republic that is based on democratic rules. In other words, we cannot have separate rules in states where one state gets to be a dictatorship and another state is a democracy. This doesn't happen in the land of the free. Not in America do we have authoritarian rulers with authoritarian governments where we suppress people's right to vote and deny citizens their right to run their country. Now, on Russia, look, we don't know what Russia's going to do if we respond, but we know one thing, and this is what I believe. You remember the saying, first they came for the Jews, and I wasn't a Jew, yep. so I didn't do anything. Well, here, now they come for the Ukrainians. I mean, this is actually the third. They've went after other countries, Crimea and Chechnya. This is an expansion discovery. We don't do anything to stop it now. That's how world wars begin with inaction, with a failure to stand up and defend the vital interests of the United States of America, because this attack on democracy has hit our shores, and our democracy is now threatened, and we have to stand up for democracy as a nation and around the world. I mean, we just can't allow democracies to be overthrown and overthrown and overthrown when we can do something about it, because eventually it's coming back to us. No, and and you've made you've made some really great points, Richard. And there's not, and again, we can move on from the, you know, splitting hairs over republic, uh, representative republic versus democracy. That's not that's you're right. We again, we don't have to split hairs on that. But here's here's the way I look at Ukraine and 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 a lot of Eastern Europe. I, I talk about it all the time. There are similarities in the Ukraine to what we saw leading up to World War II. You make a valid point. Specifically, I would bring up when Chamberlain was so proud of himself for getting a, a piece of paper signed by Hitler saying, well, he's not going to take any country over other than the Sudetenlands, which, by the way, his logic was the same thing. The, this is these are German people. They speak German. They associate themselves as Germans. Yada yada yada. That's what led to World War II to be as well. So I, you, you're making valid points. You're making historically rational points. My way of looking at this, as far as doing what we can to support Ukraine, look here in Wisconsin, Richard. There's a company called Ammo Incorporated. They're donating. I want to say they're donating donating a million rounds 
to head off to Ukraine. We, we can do that. Remember when uh, in 2014, when the Russians took over Crimea, that part of the Ukraine, what did, what did Obama and Biden do? They sent them MREs and they sent them blankets. What we need to do is, is send them weapons. We need to send them ammunition for guns. We need to send them javelin missiles. Those types of things so that they can fight it out for themselves. The other point you made, and I agree, in Afghanistan, we, you, had, you had a bunch of different, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, tribes. In Afghanistan, there was no national, there was very little national identity, right? Well, they looked at themselves more in a tribal format than they do as, as part of a country. That's not the case in Ukraine. You see it by how hard they're fighting against the Russians to protect their land. They have a national identity. We have to do everything we can to support them just short of U.S. troops versus Russian troops because that could spiral out of, out of hand very quickly, and there's other ways to help them, uh, help them defend their country. I think, yeah, I, I do think, but we can't be so afraid of that threat that Putin and other people like that can simply threaten us into inaction. Sometimes we're going to have to step up and take that action because not taking the action creates other risks that are maybe even more threatening. And, and now by allowing him to take all these other countries, this could be an example of him threatening nuclear war. We can't just back down just because there's risk. No, and I and I, and again, I agree with you. Okay, I I do at this point. I mean, the, the, one of the big challenges I have is, especially the leadership that we currently have at the White House. If we get dragged into this, it's just it's just as a disaster. I I don't I don't see any way this president would effectively counter Putin. Because part of that is is simply this, Richard. Okay, we put these sanctions on. We put these sanctions on oligarchs, but we're still buying Russian oil. We're financing this invasion of the Ukraine by buying oil. I, I saw uh, he was oh, what's the guy's name? He was a chief of staff of the National Security Council. Uh, Fred Fleets came out and, 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 and brought that up as well, saying, we're financing this. We can, yeah, we can, we can sanction the oligarchs and the people with money in Russia, but every day that we're, we're not producing oil domestically here in the United States and buying it from Russia, we're helping to finance this. But, and guess what? I want to play one soundbite for you. Just, it, it's a real brief one. Um, it's page one, cut one. Here's Jen Psaki talking about where we're going to replace some of the oil that we don't want to get from Russia should we choose to ban Russian oil. Hang Would in the there president for- then welcome Iranian oil coming into the United States uh, in order to increase that supply? Again, there's not a... In Iran, there's not a deal at this point in time. While we're close, we're not there. Um, so uh, if and when we get to that point, we can speak to that question. So in other words, we're going to we're going to go to Iran to replace Russian oil? You can't possibly think that sounds like a good idea. I mean, it's, it's, it's insanity when we have oil we could produce here in the United States. 
I've been very impressed with the fact of what we've done. There's a lot of talk of cutting off oil. The whole international community is together. I think the Ukrainians have surprised us and, yes, supplied them with weapons, supplied them with all they need. They may be able to defeat the Russians themselves. But all, And I'm not suggesting boots on the ground. I, what I am suggesting is that we take a, that action of a no-fly zone in order to give the Ukrainians a chance to win. We can't just say, oh, he's attacked Ukraine, and therefore there goes Ukraine. No. No, we have to, especially when it's so easy. It's not, I don't think it's going to be hard. I think the guy's a, I think the guy's an idiot, a bully. And when you fight back against the bully, they run. And if we stand up to him, I think it's over for him, for this assault. And I don't think we should ever allow Ukraine to fall. I, I, I have, I appreciate it. And I have been really impressed with uh, Zelensky, since this war started, now, there's there's corruption issues in Ukraine. Let's not kid ourselves. But you know what? You're right. We need to support any democracy that we can in Eastern Europe. So, hey, Richard, I really appreciate the call. You had you had some great views. I, I appreciate it. Thank you much. Thank, thank you so much. You're listening to The Schrader Show. When we get back, we've got another caller. Mike, hang in there. We'll get to you as soon as we can. WTAQ News Talk Sport.